Audacious Compassion, Episode 24. Enjoying that hamburger. Toothpaste, lemonade, polka dots and stripes. You're a dark night, and I'm the day. We're a wreck, and that's alright. Hello, and welcome to Audacious Compassion a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Gregory. And I'm Melissa. And today we'll be talking about being compassionate towards a group of anonymous people that you perceive as immorally complacent. So, how are you doing, Melissa? (laughs) Nothing quite so heavy as our theme suggests. I've been having a lot of fun lately, sort of doing things that I consider easy bits of creativity. So, like, I have in my head that to be a creative or to be a creative person, I need to kind of be creating works from whole cloth, Mm. um, writing whole stories, writing novels. Big, long works. Right. Um, And that kind of stuff burdens you when you are sitting there on a... Yeah. When you're like, I need to be doing something. And suddenly writer's block exists. Um, And so something I've been having fun doing lately is sort of finding little constructive bits of creativity that don't have that burden. So I've been doing some streaming on Twitch, where I'll pick a game, some, you know, I've got some indie games that I haven't either played much or played at all, um, and just streaming them for an hour or so a week. Um, Been playing a whole lot of Fallen London, which I'll talk about later, Um, but sort of constructing narratives there, doing more role-playing in that scene. Um, I've started a Tumblr for microfiction. Excellent. Um... We will see uh, if I do more than a few posts there, um, but also some like um, one-on-one RP for our Saturday game, our our um, Rosette Diceless game that we play. Yeah, um, just sort of using Discord and taking time in the evenings to just sort of roleplay characters back and forth. Um, and so I don't know. I find that really satisfying. Um, it's it's sort of scratching an itch that has felt unscratched for a while where. You know, some of the work we've been doing for Future Proof has been, you know, finishing Reset Diceless, finishing Majesty. There was not actually a lot of creative work there. Yeah, it was a lot of crafting, right. but not a lot of creation. Right. And I do take a lot of joy in crafting. Um, I don't think I could be a web developer and, and not do so. <laughs> yes. Um, but you I could, also... but you'd be a very unhappy one. <laughs> right. I'd be pretty miserable. Um, but I do also like sort of making things um, that are, even if they're ephemeral, like role-playing scenes aren't a thing that exists forever, yeah. um, but they're they're memorable nonetheless. So Cool. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. For my job, I do web development for clients, so I'm a freelancer. Mm-hmm. And one of my longtime clients, probably my, my longest term client ever, recently got bought. Oh. The transition's going just fine, Mm -hmm. but there was that moment of uncertainty when it first came, especially because the the company that's buying them is, of course, a larger one with Mm -hmm. locations in multiple cities, and especially as hippie, anti-capitalist people, we have (laughs) uh, an automatic distrust of corporations, and more distrust the larger the corporation is. Right. So I kind of have this... Thing in my head, this image of what a company that buys another company is like. Oh. And, of course, like, there's going to be things I like about it. There's going to be things I dislike about it. Mm-hmm. 
but they weren't just buying the company in order to sell off all the office furniture and fire everyone. Right. Right? Like, yeah, they wouldn't be buying the company I do work for if that's what they wanted to do. That's right. not the actual value of, of the people I work with. Right. But that experience of the uncertainty around who are these people and mm-hmm. what is their perspective and are we going to be able to do the same stuff? Right. And... The answer is no, you're not always going to do all the same stuff. Some of the, some things are going to change. And I think that a lot of my coworkers were more nervous than I was. Oh, sure. You're, you have a little more protection by virtue of being a freelancer. Yeah, right? I'm, a, I'm a contractor. I get to set my own schedule. And worst case, I can find another job by saying, hey, I was working for the same company for X number of years. Right. And there... Not working remotely, a lot, most of them, mm-hmm. and actually, like, have retirement stuff tied up in it and health insurance stuff tied up in it, which, right. I mean, it's nice that they do, mm-hmm. but since that's not something I've got tied up with that one client, that's not something I have to worry about. Right. Things are looking good, but there's that uncertainty when it's when you just hear a brief description of what these people are going to be and let your mind kind of wander and worry about the things that could go wrong mm-hmm. and... Think about all the horror stories you've heard. Yep. And, of course, it's never going to be perfect, and it's never going to be your worst-case scenario. Right. I always... I've worked for lots of companies that have had lots of management and strategic shifts over my career. And there are a few things that they always say that are just, like, nothing words. Or at least when you start out, you don't think they're nothing words. We're going to keep everything good about the organization. We're going to keep everything good. Or this isn't going to be a major shift. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, we it's we need to make some new strategies. Um, but, you know, down at the execution level, it's not going to be a huge thing, right? Um, and that kind of stuff. Like, you're just like, snooze fest. Come on. Like, mm-hmm. if there's a strategy change, there must be an execution change. Or you're not actually implementing a new strategy. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I don't envy you that, um, and I hope things work out. Yeah, so far there hasn't been any, haven't been any major problems. Yeah, been a few long meetings mm. about corporate culture and <laughs> have to switch over every single internet system we use. So different um, email, different calendar, different oh, time snap. tracking. Oh wow! Slack stuff is going to get integrated. It's it's all shifting. Interesting. But generally, it's just a branding change. Yeah, yeah. So we had a prompt from, I'll say, a friend of the show. Mm-hmm. There was a bunch of specific detail in this, but we kind of distilled it down to the most important parts. Mm-hmm. Discussion idea. How to not simply hate the hyper-capitalist dystopia that is Vegas. Nauseated emoji. <laughs> I had to go present a paper, so for work. So much waste and excess when I'm already feeling guilty about the part I'm not playing in the crises facing our country slash communities. I've been called judgmental a time or two in my life. I thought I was doing a good job working on it, but maybe I just learned I'm not being so successful. Vegas is full of horrible rich white people spending arbitrarily high amounts of money on booze, food, lodging, everything. It's basically a printing press. Some wealthy a-hole owns this place and set whatever prices, and people just pay it. What else could any of these people be doing for themselves, or heck, even for others? Every casino is full of these zombie people, eyes stuck on screen as they play slot machines. A friggin' disgusting throng of crowded masses, all wearing clothing that's incredibly expensive, because brands, 
spending so much money on garbage and excess, like a concentrated version of the worst parts of our country at a time when we could really benefit from being our best selves. What does a PhD like me matter when kids are being kept in jails away from their families in my very county? Frowny emoji. Clearly I didn't try particularly hard to like the place or people, but dang, could they meet me in the middle? Obviously I will strongly consider whether to submit to any future conferences that would be hosted there. I think we've all been there. Like Viva Las Vegas. I have not been to Vegas. Well, no, I mean, but been in that position. I've, I've been to Vegas once or twice, I think, when I was much younger. I haven't been as an adult. But we've been in the place where we end up at a location, uh, an unfamiliar circumstance with unfamiliar people, mm-hmm. and they just bug the hell out of us. Right. It's hard to kind of be in that spot where you need to either protect yourself or get where you're going or take care of whatever it is you're doing. You've got stuff to do. You're not there just to wander around and get to know people. Exactly. It just feels like you're being bombarded by whatever is Mm -hmm. bugging you in that culture. Um, And so it's easy to be like, you know, I I would be perfectly fine if I never stepped foot in this place again. And furthermore what the hell is wrong with everybody living here yeah right? why would anyone choose to live here or, or especially to come here voluntarily mm-hmm. yep um and i mean vegas in particular is a major tourist attraction right like mm-hmm. it's like a totally a thing for bachelor parties or mm-hmm. you know like destination events to be held in vegas I, I sometimes feel that sort of thing, like if I go to a mall, especially a, a Mills mall that seemed hyper-curated, yeah. mm-hmm. or if I'm around people who have significantly different political views or cultural views or whatever than, than I do, mm-hmm. those things get to you and you don't know anything else about these people, right? except the things that you're noticing that are unpleasant. Right. And I think this happens even in professional settings, like... If I go to a conference, let's say I go to Microsoft has a huge conference called mm-hmm. Ignite. And this is like massive. Tens of thousands of people crowd up in Orlando. And, you know, no nothing wrong with the conference itself. But sometimes you'll be looking at the track and you'll be like, the the event for, uh, pick on a thing that's always picked on, but SharePoint mm-hmm. is booked out. Like there's, there's it's standing room only. And you're like, who? Who was choosing to do this with their time, right? Yeah. Um, I remember us going to the Game Developers Conference and mm-hmm. seeing game developers, you know, people who are industry professionals who could be, like, sharing creativity and chatting shop mm-hmm. with people, like, lining up to play the latest game, maybe that is even out already. Yep. Like, what are you doing? Right. You. This was an expensive conference. Right. And you're doing a thing you could be doing at home in the next few months. Exactly. So those are, I think, all along the same scale of passing a moral judgment on people doing things very differently than you. Yeah. It's different from if you see people doing something actively wrong. Right. 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 Like, that's a circumstance where maybe that those strong feelings can cloud how you're viewing people, but, mm-hmm. it, but those feelings are about a thing that you almost feel responsibility to stop. Right. There's no real responsibility to stop someone from playing a video game or a slot machine unless they're incredibly sick. Right. You just kind of watch them do a thing that you wouldn't be doing in their position. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to, especially when you don't understand why they're doing it, Mm -hmm. think of them as doing it for any sort of good reason. Right. Or if you are educated in why people do this, Mm -hmm. to already have a reason lined up. The reason people gamble is because psychology... 101, right? 
Um, and that's the only reason. And that's your yeah, yeah. Or the core reason. Right. Um, so it's easy to sort of bundle that up. But, like, how accurate is that, right? Let's take Las Vegas specifically. Right? Yeah. So um, there's a lot more to Vegas than the Strip. That's their motto, that's right? practically their motto at this point. Um, so I am a fan of the <laughs> beginning of the... Uh, Vegas uh, Golden Knights, the hockey team that just started mm-hmm. this past year. Um, and I've also known, I've worked with people who have lived in Vegas and moved to Charlotte because this is where jobs were for what mm-hmm. they were trying out. And their perspective on the city is just like, it's just a city. Like, yeah. we just, I worked for Wells Fargo, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or or I did programming work, or my kids went to really good schools and you know, it's just a place that has colleges and good schools for kids and decent jobs and is in the desert. Yeah. And those people, the people that are being highlighted again and again in in this prompt are not, probably mostly not natives. They're tourists. Exactly. And if they were doing that sort of thing day in, day out, that would be cause for at least major criticism. Right. But these are people who Maybe they go to Vegas at most every few years. Right. Some people probably go yearly or bi-yearly, but most of these people are like, we're finally going to Vegas. Right. It's like a trip to Disney. Like, yeah. you, I personally might write a similar sort of question about why would you go to Disney? Yeah. Like, stay home and watch the movies. Like, why and would you spend thousands of dollars to get down there and visit five parks and, like, run everyone ragged and you know your kid's not going to enjoy it and, like, you know. Yeah. Someone who rode roller coasters their entire life mm-hmm. would be ridiculous. Right. Someone who just <laughs> hung out on the beach all the time would well, be kind of cool. Yeah. But it could be kind of cool, yeah. <laughs> it's my but retirement like, dream. <laughs> you know, the things, the things that anyone would do in their time off, if you're going, especially if you're going to a place on work, will look ridiculous. Right. And the fact that it's a tourist place means that there are certain kind of benefits to Las Vegas. Like, Las Vegas is genuinely a center of culture in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Yep. Like, I'm a big fan of stage magic. I've talked about it ah, on, yes. on the podcast before. I think we both have. There are, like, two places in the U.S. that you can easily go to see more than one stage magic show in a week. Mm-hmm. That's Las Vegas and Atlantic City. Oh, oh, slightly, okay. you know, add in Hollywood a little bit because that's kind of where the center of magic education is. Mm-hmm. But it's those two places, and that's because stage magic isn't that popular, and yeah. it's kind of weirdly hokey. Yeah, and it's also relatively expensive to set up. Like you need equipment, mm-hmm. and you need a certain kind of of venue. And so, where are you going to get a bunch of people who are willing to do something kind of silly mm-hmm. in large numbers? Mm-hmm. Where it's rare for you to actually be interested in them. Renaissance festivals are where you go to watch jousting. <laughs> Las Vegas is where you go to watch stage magic. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's, it's there's value. There, the Star Trek experience was in oh, yeah. Las Vegas. Where, like, where else would you put a collection of Star Trek memorabilia that a whole bunch of people are going to get to see it? Yeah, I think the only other place would be Hollywood. Where the right. sets are or were. I don't know if they're still up. but Yeah. And I yeah. mean, if you think that Las Vegas is capitalist and tacky. Los Angeles and Hollywood are going to be similar. Right. And then there's, you know, there's softer stuff. Like Vegas in particular, after the shooting last year, Mm -hmm. um, really kind of came together in a way that I think surprised a lot of people. Um, 
kind of expected it just to be like, oh, yeah, reopen the casinos, move along with life. Um, But they gave, you know, they gave folks who were part of that, um, both as helpers and those whose lives were lost, like a lot of tribute for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not just kind of this heartless place. Yeah. Um, That said... I mean, the strip is real, right? Yeah, I mean, there and, there are places that, you know, gambling is, I think, fundamentally exploitative, I like bet. running a casino. I think so. Those games can be fun to play, but if you're playing, if you're running them as a business, right. then you're basically just printing money, like, like right. our submitter said. Exactly. And I don't know if there is is the mafia really a thing because like so, i mean there there is, is a just... lot of organized crime influence on las vegas in the past there probably still is yeah it's probably better than it used to be yeah but you know where do you find people who are willing to do something that everyone feels is kind of shady and mm-hmm. have a lot of capital and want to do it in the middle of the desert like yeah you're gonna run into that sort of influence which is unfortunate yes but it's just a consequence of the circumstance yeah it's yeah. not like, it's not that people in Nevada are worse than people in North Carolina. Right. So, okay, thinking about that, if someone is choosing, you said people in Nevada are not necessarily mm-hmm. worse, but what if you're choosing to go? What if, so if we're focusing on the strip and on the decadence mm-hmm. there, like, is where you choose your vacation a thing to be judged on? I mean, it is. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I, there there are things that you could do with it, but... I'm not sure that I would particularly judge someone who said, I want to vacation in Las Vegas. Like there are, like we said, there are things that you can do in Las Vegas that are hard to do elsewhere, especially a variety of things. Cirque du Soleil every day. Yeah, like I want to watch acrobats, stage magic, uh, some sort of cool musical performance from a mm-hmm. from a out of out of touch <laughs> performer and Maybe do some fun shopping where I won't buy much, but I'll look at all the fancy stuff Mm -hmm. and do a motion simulator ride. Like, all those things. And ride a roller coaster. Like, again, Las Vegas and Atlantic City are the two places. And And it is is going to cost you a ton of money to do those things. So it's not... That's something that that strikes me as interesting. It's like, if I were going to a casino and I've never gambled beyond, like, the dining room table. But if I were going to go gamble, I would, of course, set a budget, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would probably end up spending more on those stage shows than I would on oh, gambling. Yeah. But yeah. that's obviously not true for everybody. But it's Vegas is not cheap for that tourism. Definitely. Which I don't know any place that is. Cause... Right. But like, I don't think that we would judge someone who did a tour of Europe, mm-hmm. who, you know, saved up for it and, and didn't do so exploitatively. Like that would sound yeah. like a cool thing. But that's going to be, you know, thousand dollars <laughs> of plane tickets, a whole bunch of costs for the tours. Flights to Las Vegas are cheap. Those yeah. shows are fifty to seventy-five dollars. Oh, really? Depending on what it is, um, the prompt is going to make me want to go to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a weird, creepy but kind of cool and ways place. Our querent mentioned ha- having trouble getting tickets to a show and the tickets to a show being too expensive. And yeah, I mean they are. Yeah. And that that is a thing that happens in in performing arts. Right. I've, I've never managed to see anything in New York. Yeah. Uh, concert tickets. Yeah. Um, which, again, bad but not unique to that place. Right. Right. So, I mean, I think these feelings aren't misplaced. I think that those, that frustration and that 
disgust with the state of our economy and mm-hmm. all that is completely i mean i think all feelings are fine right like yep. those are real feelings that you're feeling and it's no sense in thinking they're bad but i also think that they're totally justified and understandable but they make it hard to recognize the humanity in those tourists and the people that live in vegas and so on mm-hmm. so how do you get through those feelings even when they're justified and kind of see more nuance and more detail and understand them as people and see the stuff that's not just hyper-capitalist dystopia yeah i think that's tough i think when when your initial reaction is this strong Mm -hmm. i think you have to work for it so my perception of a place like phoenix Mm-hmm. which I've now been to a few times, um, is one of sort of political disgust. You've got Arpaio yeah. at the time running yeah. around doing awful things to people who, like, anyway, I, right. Yeah, right, so here we go. <laughs> but when you visit and you, like, step onto a national park, yeah, and you're like, holy crap, like, this place is cool. Like, people have cacti in their front yards, Right. Looking for the wonder in the world, even if that wonder isn't in the humans itself, like I just mm-hmm. mentioned, like horticulture, yeah, can be like reaffirming, right? Like, so if people have cacti in their front yard, that means that they prune <laughs> those things back so that they don't end up with prickly pears in their house. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's hard to do when you're like there for work, right? That's and you're very you're hard to do. Going through a conference and you're tired and. Mm-hmm. and Either you're drinking or people around you are drinking, yep. and it's really fast-paced, and you've got other stuff to worry about. And something always goes wrong. Like, your lift doesn't work, or, yeah. you know, like, you just can't get from one place to another. And and I think we see that there's a definite lack of specific observations of specific people mm-hmm. in the prompt. Even in the stuff that we cut out, there's, you know, some drunk people in this circumstance. There's a person that was that was in kind of in a service position and, and was inconsiderate, but no one who it's where it's like, I talked to someone that I knew the name of. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of that is that I don't know that this person had a chance to. Right. Like this yep. person didn't have a chance to check for best local places to eat <laughs> right. in Las Vegas mm-hmm. or uh, go to whatever museum or something is in Las Vegas for, again, for people who are interested in the sort of thing that this yes. question asker is interested in. Mm-hmm. Like, part of it is that they're not into these things. And so people who paint their chests for a sports game <laughs> are going to seem really weird to people who aren't into that subculture. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I mean, if you just don't have time or access, or don't take time or access. Um, they say, uh, why can't they just meet me in the middle? Yeah. And, I mean, given this person did presumably fly out to Las Vegas, and that's going quite a distance, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I think that there's a certain amount of emotional emotional effort that wasn't made. Like, this question asker maybe didn't meet them in the middle either. And, yeah, I, I, I question a model of empathy and compassion that requires the other party to do anything. Yeah, yep. 
like meet me in the middle is what you say when your relationship isn't going well yeah <laughs> not when you're like is this person a human being <laughs> right um worthy of respect not that las vegas yeah. is a person but you know what i mean <laughs> and i don't think that our question asker dehumanized those people but i think that maybe they could have thought of them as more human than they did yeah yeah as someone who's very critical of capitalism who's very critical of the cultures that spawn capitalism it is very difficult to say you know hey you hand-wringing liberals step up and do your to not say that right so therefore vegas is a place where people are actively deliberately consciously building businesses and choosing to engage in some of the worst capitalism in the u.s yeah but everything is relative seems like a a kind of a (laughs) cop-out thing to say but i mean this person's an academic Mm mm-hmm there are a lot of people who would look at the academic life and be like, how decadent is this? Mm-hmm. You're not spending your time constructing anything. Right. You're, you've got this cushy job. You've got, you know, if you've got tenure, you've got this yeah. kind of guaranteed position. Regardless almost. of abuse levels. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and even like everyone in America is in some sense complicit in our imperialist exploitative Mm -hmm. policies towards everyone like we're we are benefiting from slavery right in east asia in latin america etc because our clothes are made by wage slaves and so on and so forth and that's really awful so does that minimize vegas does it put it in perspective of saying like yes it is hyper capitalist but everything else is in other major cap- capitalist places are not actually that much worse. I think it provides an analogy that can help you understand how to empathize with people there. Yeah, yeah. So think of the things that you would want to say to someone who said, you're revolting and disgusting for being part of this society. Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing would also apply to how you can think about the people that you see in Las Vegas. Yeah. So some things that are generally useful in compassion is what's that person thinking right now? Mm-hmm. How are they feeling? Like that's a, that's something that you can maybe not guess accurately, but mm-hmm. you can at least construct something. Right. And you can construct something charitable. Right. Yeah. Cause if the answer is nothing, speaking yeah. of like slot machine. Yeah. Not thinking anything. Right. Maybe a little more, creativity right yeah like just thinking about like the role-playing stuff i was talking about earlier like okay so this person is playing slot machines what are they thinking mm-hmm. um they're thinking they're glad not to be at home with their children right now yeah. <laughs> taking a break right or yeah. or that person looks like they're really enjoying that hamburger maybe good taste in fashion maybe it's too expensive mm-hmm. but you can understand why people sometimes splurge on something that is yep. more expensive than it needs to be yep so I mean, that's that's a challenge, especially when you've got these genuine, strong feelings. Mm-hmm. You kind of got to take a step back and work at it. You need to take the effort. Right. You can still not be a fan of Vegas. You can, yeah, like, which and, is totally fine. And again, maybe just the strip, right? Like, there's also that too. But like, just saying like, you know, this, this city is like completely against my morals like this is this is not a good place this is not a place where good things are happening that's fine yeah if i were to walk into i mean there are places in russia where oh yeah yeah where where i would i was totally like "Hmm, no like i'm not gonna participate in covering my hair for religion um 
I know that the politics in Russia are super bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't condone those things, um, but I can still try to see the people there as people. And I think it's okay to not be compassionate sometimes. Yes. Like, you can't be compassionate 100% of the time, but if you want to be, sometimes you got to put in that effort. Yeah. And it's not easy. Not easy. So, what have you been inspired by lately? Well, I have been playing a game called The Norwood Suite by a developer and musician called Cosmo D. And they make weird, surreal, musically themed games. That sounds awesome. This is, they've got a really interesting visual style where it's drawing from naive art in a way. Mm -hmm. Like, so this is a game where you are going to a hotel and have been sent on some sort of mission that's unclear. You're some sort of agent or detective or something. It's Mm -hmm. very vague. And this is like a hotel up in the mountains that used to be the home of this eccentric musician or eccentric composer Mm -hmm. and it's been converted into a hotel and you're wandering around this place and there's like relatively realistic surrealism like giant statues with glowing eyes (laughs) but there's also things that could never actually happen like at one point you have to turn on a wireless router and it opens an eye and looks at you as you're booting it up. Nice. You are opening trunks of cars and finding like cow skulls and glowing orbs in them. And you're encountering all these people who kind of look like, did you ever use Poser 3D? Oh, yes. That program that like (laughs) makes relatively generic looking people. Uh Uh-huh. This sort of has that slightly waxy look Mm -hmm. of, of the people, but it's clearly intentional Because, like, some people have, like, heads that are the wrong shape or size. Or people have weird skin texture. And, you know, maybe it's someone messing with stuff and being like, hey, that looks cool. I'm going to keep that. Or maybe it's even more intentional. Yeah. But everything looks really weird. It's very, very musical. Everyone in the hotel seems to think that you work there. (laughs) You just have that look. And so people keep asking you for help. And, helping them? Yeah, and th- that's kind of what you have to do in order to progress and that's explore cool. more. And there's like a DJ who's been performing one show every night, and this is its their three hundredth night performing wow. in the in the basement. Holy crap! Um, the music written by Norwood, the composer, seems to be dangerous to play. Oh, so People the, keep talking about, like... So the suite is a musical suite, not a hotel suite. Well, it is both. Okay. <laughs> and it's just a very strange place. And it's one of those games where it makes a very strong initial impression. Mm-hmm. And characters make very strong proclamations about other people in the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, someone will say, well, anyone who would want to stay here is decadent or people who are here from this company which is there's an energy drink company having a conference (laughs) there and seem to maybe be trying to take over the world it's unclear but they're cast very immediately as these you know these awful conspiracy people that fired this person and and are, are all awful but you immediately meet some of these people and it's like oh they're fine 
Yeah. They're, you know, many of them are, maybe they are trying to take over the world, but also, you know, they're, they seem all right other than that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very weird and very confronting. It, it constantly disrupts your expectations. You'll be given a, a key to a, to a hotel room and you'll open it up and there'll be like spy equipment everywhere. And then you'll open you'll you'll throw a lever and a door a secret panel will open up and you'll walk through a hallway with big musical statues and like piano themed wall shapes that are swirling around you and then you'll end up coming out of the bar and people are constantly saying things like did you just did you just walk out of a secret <laughs> passage or did you come out from a hole in the ceiling where where did you come from nice and that that sense of like a game which keeps you on your toes and constantly challenges the things that you've assumed about mm-hmm. the people in it and the setting in it is just really interesting. I yeah. it's inspirational to think how can I make my work more uncomfortable for people. <laughs> That's what we seek to do. In a good way. You know, yeah, like yeah. like the the stretching in yoga is uncomfortable. Yes. But has benefits. Right. So what have you been inspired by lately? Also a video game. Um, I have been playing an ungodly amount of Fallen London, um, which I would swear we have talked about, but I could not find notes. I'm, I'm sure we've mentioned it in passing Probably. a whole bunch. Um, so it is a game by a company called Fail Better Games. We talked about them last month, um, first kind of kicking off the Love Indies week. And it's a browser-based game, uh, Victorian London-placed, uh, where London has been dropped, or has been lowered by bats, yes, um, into a very, very large cavern. Um, so it's a fallen city. And so um, you are playing a, a person uh, who is... Engaging in whatever kind of schemes, there are a lot of schemes available. This game is old. It's about eight years old. I think I've been playing it for about six, mm-hmm. um, off and on. Um, but earlier this year, I started a character, a second character, um, who has who is playing a plot that is particularly evil. Evil, I think. Yeah, evil. Uh, destructive. Destructive, yes. Um, and so they are betraying people and kind of um, um, consuming things that should not be consumed and will make a trip to go to a destination that will essentially end this character. Whenever I get through this, figure out how to do this whole thing, um, pull all the pieces together, um, there's a wall at which they say uh, the company asks that you not share whatever's behind this door um, once you click the button. Um, and then your character ceases to be on to be playable. Yeah, like, the, the story seeking Mr. Eaton's name is mm-hmm. all about like uncovering this dark secret yeah. of this maybe demonic or ghostly figure. It's unclear what this being is, but right. everyone doesn't want you to uncover this secret for many reasons. One of which being that it seems to destroy people when they right. find out too much about it. Um, and you, you essentially destroy your character's life as you proceed through this. You have to give up any, um, profession you have, which is your primary source of income. Um, so it's, it's incredibly destructive. This game, um, I tipped over a point this past week where I made a third character because I needed another character to portray. (laughs) 
<laughs> might be a sign that you have a problem. Which is when I also, yeah, the, yeah. Um. <laughs> Started making your, your role-playing Tumblr. And... Right, right. Um, so we'll see where this goes. But the game overall has really interesting themes around sort of choosing what doors you're going to close. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you've got, it's, there are some role-playing, uh, standard role-playing game type stuff of you have stats and you can mm-hmm. progress those. And it's generally a good job, a good idea to progress them relatively evenly. Um, but you also, in any, pretty much any story involved, you are going to make a choice. And that choice is going to hurt somebody <laughs> or um, prevent someone from getting help or something mm-hmm. like that. And so while you do end up spending a fair amount of time in grinds for whatever sort of equipment you need for things, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the actual plots deal with sort of saying, you know, this group of people or this particular person has gone too far or mm-hmm. I'm going to join them in going too far um, or I'm going to join them in their decadence or I'm going to join them in their in their austerity. Um, and right. it's a it's a complex game. Yeah, it's got this overriding theme of love in it. Mm-hmm. But often it kind of seems like the people who are pursuing love maybe don't understand what love really is. I'm not sure anyone does. They might but be devils. Yes. They might be aliens. Mm-hmm. They might be yep any and sort of weird thing. There's definitely things where folks are kind of ob- obsessed or fixated on sensation or mm-hmm. like having a, a particular emotion, right? Like. Um, taking drugs in the form of honey, I guess, yeah. of, of various sorts, um, to induce dreams so that they can have romance that they wouldn't have in the real world and, and that sort of thing. So it's a, uh, it's a potent game. It's held my interest. I mean, there were a couple of years where I think I didn't play much, but it's generally held my interest uh, since you introduced me to it. Yeah. So um, it's, like I said, it's been inspiring. It's It's got me writing this little Tumblr, um, which I'll, I guess we'll link to probably in the show notes. Awesome. (laughs) So we've talked about various ways in which folks kind of judge large groups of anonymous people, Mm -hmm. looking at people that you don't know much about and seeing them as, I think we said morally complacent earlier, not actively doing anything immorally complacent yes yes (laughs) complacent concerning morals yes that idea of they are not doing the right thing rather Mm -hmm. than they are doing something wrong that spawns difficult feelings that tend to shut you off from actual true understanding right and it's it raises the interesting question of what's your threshold here so the the thing that came to mind fairly immediately was Mm -hmm. why is new york okay but vegas isn't Right. New York is the banking capital of the U.S. Mm-hmm. The banks, right, that have done bad things to people's livelihoods um, for quite some time in this country. Why is that okay, but Vegas isn't? Yeah. And obviously there is a threshold, right? There right. is There's a certain level where you're like, hey, white supremacists, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to try too hard to be compassionate towards. Right. I'll be compassionate towards maybe... The people that I think can have their cha- minds changed, mm-hmm. but a large segment of them would be like, "Yeah, you know what? You can change your own mind if you want to." <laughs> in cases like tourists in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. they're probably not forever morally lost, right? Like knowing people who have done like the what are they the 
riverboat thing, or like if you live in Kentucky or something, you can just go on a boat and gamble there. Oh, right, because because it's Cause offshore, because it's, it's offshore or something. You know, and there are people who have gambling problems who do that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Or bingo, I guess, is another kind of hole for that. Yeah. Um, if you're going to look at people on vacation and say mm-hmm. this vacation is too far, where's your threshold there? Right. Are riverboat people also crossing a line? Is and in, in that case, if they've got a problem, mm-hmm. like if they're ill in some way, that's even less reason to condemn them, right? Like Fair. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the question of what your threshold is, is I think um, they they mention in the prompt, like, I've been called judgy before, judgmental before, yeah. I think. Um, and I think that is kind of where that question sits, is like... You're going to condemn some things. Yeah, like, you're like you going said, to judge. That's right. one of the things we do as That's people. It. Right. Take a hard look at what your thresholds are, and maybe it's not a maybe it's not a hard threshold, right? Yeah. Like maybe it's a, a a blurred line or a gradient. And if you're not okay with how judgmental you're being, you're gonna have to take effort to yep. change that. You're gonna have to step back, imagine stuff, and. It's not going to be easy, but I think it's useful. So thank you for talking to me today, Melissa. And thank you for talking to me. And thank you all for listening. This has been Audacious Compassion. If you have a question or a prompt for discussion, please submit it to us at averyweir.net. That's A-V-E-R-Y-W-E-I-R.net. We're on Twitter and Facebook at AudaciousCast. And if you want to like us, if you want to follow us, if you want to rate us on whatever, please do so. We'd love to have more people listening. We'd love to have more people submitting prompts. Mm-hmm. Please, if you like the show, share it with folks you know. I'm Gregory Avery Weir, and I can be found on Twitter at Gregory Weir. I'm Melissa Avery Weir, and I can be found at Melissa Avery Weir at Mastodon.social. And together, we are Futureproof Games, a video game studio. You can visit us at futureproofgames.com, and we've recently released a role-playing game (laughs) called Rosette Diceless, if you're interested in collaborative, improvisational, consent-focused role-playing games. That is is tabletop or LARP, not a RPG that one plays digitally. Yes, yes, it is. It is what is called a pen and paper RPG, although those things are not always required. Yes. Our theme music is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Talk to you later. Good title brought. <laughs> <laughs>